Arizona Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here in the studio. And uh, today we kicked Pastor Tim out and uh, my friend Dave Swanson is joining us. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Hey. Doing, doing well. Yeah, yeah. Good yep. day. You're not Canadian. I'm not sorry. Canadian. That's fine. Pastor Craig's not here. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I got you two mixed up. Um, and uh, Dave works for an organization that is very near to the and dear to the heart of Village Church, Thrivent Financial. And uh, Thrivent is one of our sponsors um, here on the Q and A podcast. And you might be thinking to yourself, how do they do this so awesomely? <laughs> And wonderfully. Well, it takes great resources, great men and women, and Thriven has come alongside of us and just been a huge help to make the Q&A podcast the best it can be. So Dave, give us just a snapshot. What is the mission of Thrivent Financial? In the most simple terms that I could come up with, I would say that what we do at Thrivent is to help others to be wise with money so that they can live generously. It's that simple. Awesome. So my guess is our listeners um, do not want to be financial fools. And would also like to make a tangible difference in the world with their resources. Fair statement. Yes, that's yep. who we like to work with. That's right. Benefit of the doubt to all of our audience. You do not want to be a fool and you want to be generous. So, <laughs> which uh, brings us to the question of the day. And you're going to find Dave is going to be joining us um, here and there over the next couple, um, we'll say months. And uh, Dave's going to be answering questions about money. We get tons of questions about money. So, Dave, I appreciate you being here. And today, the question that I would love for you to answer is this What is the best? financial advice you would give to young couples. Now, let me just preface so I can give you kind of my head on this. My wife and I get to work with many, many couples in dating, engagement, and marriage. And financial counseling uh, is something we do with a lot of couples. And what I have learned through experience uh, is this next generation of young people, by and large, I'll say 95% of them are financially unstable, unprepared, do not understand the basics of money and are broke. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but this next generation has a debt load that no previous generation could even begin to understand unless you were a doctor. That is correct. And uh, even to the point where my wife and I had $54,000 of student loans, and that pales in comparison to what this next generation is coming out with. So Dave, you got this young couple, and they want to honor God. They want to be wise. They want to be generous. What are some of the most base foundational pieces of advice you would give to them? And mm -hmm. talk to our 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds who want to have an impact on the next generation and who want to pass along wisdom from scripture that these young couples can live by. What would you say? Three things come to mind in terms of advice for young couples. The first one is to start a budget and then stick to it. Mm. That is absolutely crucial. The second thing is to have an emergency fund. And then the third thing is to deal with your debt. Mm. Those are the three things that I see when I work with people. Those are the three things that if you don't get those things in order, you're never going to make any headway yep. in terms of having financial security and being able to be generous. So does God desire financial security for people who he gives ample resources to? Absolutely. Good. All right. We're on the same page. So mm -hmm. there might be some people who believe that a Christian has to give away all their money. In fact, one of the biblical principles is that we need to handle God's resources wisely so that we can live, live generously. generously. I love it. All right. So let's talk about budgeting. I like how you said 
set a budget and then stick to it, right? Mm-hmm. Those are two yeah. very different things, <laughs> yeah. right? Some people are like, look at me, we made a budget, we're cute. And then mm-hmm. they don't play by the rules. What are some basic, I just, I would just say principles of budgeting that you would look at a young couple and you would say, hey, here are a few things you need to do if you're going to create a healthy budget and you're going to stick to it. Well, the first thing is you have to know where your money is going. Mm-hmm. Every single month, people spend, you know, most people have a good idea what they're paying for rent or for their mortgage if they have one. But other than that, very few people will have any clue what they're paying for just about any other category, whether it's even gas, insurance, groceries, coffee. You know, I know some people who go to Starbucks a lot. You don't realize like two, three, four bucks a day mm-hmm. um, is a hundred, 200 bucks a month, which is mm-hmm. oh, well, two, three, four thousand dollars a year. Yep. And if you're young and you're making 30 or 40 thousand dollars. And for some people, that's generous, mm-hmm. but that's a lot of your income. You could spend 10% of your income, yeah. really, if you think yeah. about it. I mean, a lot of people basically tithe to Starbucks. Yep. Interesting. Um, <sighs> Drop the mic, Dave Swanson. That was good. <laughs> um, so where do we get started, right? Mm-hmm. The first thing that I often have couples do if they've never done a budget, if they don't know where their money is going is I have them write down and track every single penny that they spend in a given 30-day period. So it could be even the cash that they spend at Starbucks, $2 on a cup of coffee or something along those lines, writing every single thing down, tracking every single receipt. And then when you get to the end of the month, you add it all up. One of the first things that people often find is just how much money they spend at the grocery store and how much they spend going out to eat, Yep. whether that's fast food, uh, you know, in the evening or going out on a Sunday afternoon? We've been with couples who started tracking their eating out budgets. And again, some of these couples joint took home $35,000, dollars $45,000 a year. And they were spending six to $800 a month eating out. I mean, mm-hmm. just quantify that percentage yep. of your budget. And they felt like they were spending one to $200. And what they didn't realize is she was getting Starbucks here, but he was getting Starbucks. She was eating out for lunch at work. He was eating out, but then they would have a date night and it would be an $80 meal because it's we're us and it's date night and we can. And what they didn't realize is how much money they were just nickeling, diming themselves. And until they looked at their monthly expenditures, until they had to look in the mirror, they didn't believe it. And this is a story that is told over and over and over again. And we use mint.com. So mm-hmm. when I work with a young couple, what I tell them is for one month, I know Dave Ramsey would hate me on this, but mm-hmm. sorry, Dave. Um, I tell them, <laughs> don't spend any cash, only use credit cards for one month. Mm-hmm. And I want you to go and make a budget. And at the end of the month, I want you to see how much money you're spending. Yep. And then I want you to do this for another month and look yourself in the mirror. And then you'll actually get to see what is your husband or your wife spending money on. Like you actually have to own yep. this stuff. You can't hide it, you know? It is unbelievable the amount of embarrassment Mm -hmm. that people have because they didn't tell their money where to go, which is what budgeting is. Yeah. And I highly recommend mint.com and the app. Obviously, there's no sponsorship. I use it myself. It's on my- They should sponsor us. They should sponsor us. It's on my home screen on my iPhone. Uh, I love it. I use it every single day. One fun little exercise that you can have couples do at the beginning of a budgeting exercise is what you kind of alluded to is- have them write down what they think they spend on each category. Mm, wow. And then when you get to go back and review it with them, they will be shocked on almost every category. We had a circumstance in the recent past, last couple of years. And uh, I asked a couple, there's this huge line item in their budget. And again, their joint income was $38,000 a year. Huge line item. And I said, how much money a month do you think you spend on this? And they said, probably 300 a month. And it came out to $900 a month. And they didn't know where their money was going. At the end of every month, they were like, why do we have nothing left over? 
And what's interesting is the the couple who tells their money where to go, they have money left over because they're actually telling their money, you go into savings, yep. you go to the church, you go to food. And it, it, it's it's amazing to me. It's yep. just profound. And the tithes or charitable giving, giving to church, whatever you want to call it, that's a, that's a subject for another podcast for yep. sure, because that is something that needs to be in that budget. Yeah. A healthy budget, very simply is going to prioritize the heart of God and what God prioritizes. Mm-hmm. You prioritize the local church. That is the primary place where tithes, if you will, go. You prioritize the local church. You prioritize protection provision of your family. Mm-hmm. And perks, right, are going to be entertainment and whatnot. But, like, you have to prioritize. And if you don't, well, your budget is selfish. Yep. And God wants your budget to be generous, not selfish. And it's not selfish to meet your family's needs. That's just prioritized. It is selfish to entertain yourself over supporting the work of God in this world. Mm-hmm. Would you give me an amen on that one? I would give you an amen. And I would, awesome. I'd like to have you come in on some of my meetings with, <laughs> with clients. I'll be the prophet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God help us all. Are there any tools that Thrivent uses for budgeting? Or do you guys have more of just a hodgepodge? At what's at your disposal? Mint, different things like that. Yeah, it really depends on the client. Some people are kind of note taker type people. My wife is a handwritten budget person. She did the envelope system when she was single. It sounds so stressful to me. Yeah. So we've plugged that into an Excel spreadsheet now, but it's still pretty manual. I'm potentially going to be transitioning to something like Quicken Mm -hmm. in January for our own budget. Uh, Haven't decided on that, but it really depends on the person, kind of their technical acumen and their ability to keep track of things. Awesome. So number one, budgeting. It's Mm -hmm. biblical. It's good. It's right. It's biblical because all budgeting is, is telling your money where to go. Mm -hmm. It's prioritizing your money so that you are able to obey God and what he says to do with it. Number two is emergency funds. What is an emergency fund and why are they important? An emergency fund, very simply, is something as little as $1,000 of cash that you have set aside that is there for that unexpected large expense. Mm -hmm. That could be a deductible payment from a car accident. You know, you have a $1,000 deductible on your car insurance. You have a car accident. You pay the first thousand. You're not expecting to have an accident. You're not anticipating it. It happens because it's an accident. And all of a sudden you need a thousand dollars to get your car repaired. Mm. You need a a major repair at the house. Fill in the blank. This past month, my wife and I, we were driving uh, on our way somewhere and all of a sudden uh, she was following me and she says, text me and says, Hey, I don't have any power uh, when I accelerate. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So hands-free texting, right? The truth is it was a phone call and it was at a red light. (laughs) She said, I don't have any power. And then she couldn't accelerate. So we pulled off the side of the road. We switched cars and I drove it and the transmission was, uh, was quickly disappearing. Mm -hmm. That cost us, uh, between the cost of the repair and a rental car and other things, just shy of $1,500. We had the money because we'd set it aside. So as much as we didn't like to spend it, Mm. we didn't have to take on debt to get our car back. Simply put, an emergency fund is kind of a backstop. It prevents you from going deeper into debt or going into debt in the first place. It's a way to not have to put things on credit cards. Yep. Or, it prevents you from having to panic. It prevents yep. you from having to go to other people and say, could you bail me out? When you could have, if you had less Starbucks or less eating out, you could mm-hmm. have saved that 1000 or $2,000 you know, really simply over a matter of months. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple thing, but it requires you budgeting and telling mm-hmm. your money where to go. So part of right. a budget is a emergency fund. Right. And going back to the budget portion of it, 
when we started our budget in January, because we just got married last October, when we actually, thank you, when we officially started our budget in January, the money for the emergency fund was in that budget. So that when we got to the point where we actually needed that, not even 11 months later, it was there. I love automation because what I do on my budgets is my bank account auto drafts from one account Mm -hmm. to another account every single month. And so for our family, we want to have three months of an emergency fund Mm -hmm. always in there. And that money is for nothing to live on. We don't tap Mm -hmm. into that money. It is not our money to spend. It's not our money. If there's like a special offering at church, it is simply there for emergencies. What ifs? It's a protective mechanism for my family. And once that emergency fund gets to its limit, you know, then we're able to take that money and allocate it towards generosity or Mm -hmm. allocate it towards different places or paying off uh, our house quicker or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it is automated, which I I think for most people, they don't realize that their bank usually offers them auto bill pay, auto drafting, Mm -hmm. auto, all this stuff. Automation makes your life easy. I tithe. Mm Mm-hmm. It's automated. I don't ever have to think about it. I don't have to doubt whether or not I'm going to be faithful. I chose to be faithful and I automated it. It's a Mm -hmm. great just little tool that I think people don't take advantage of. But that's one way to not fudge on your budget, automate Mm -hmm. them. So number three, what do you got? Deal with debt. Mm -hmm. And that's a very broad category because if we're talking to a young couple in their 20s, maybe newly married, if they went to a private Christian college for four years, each of them, they could have several hundred thousand dollars worth of, of an, student that debt. That is insane. It is insane. It's unfortunate that that's how our student loan system has become. And the cost of college has gone up so dramatically that a lot of people find that that's the only way that they can get the degree that they need to, to pursue their career. So when we talk about dealing with debt, let's say you don't have student debt or maybe you don't have a lot of it, but maybe you have some credit card debt. Dealing with that involves paying it off as quickly as possible, yep. whether that's $5,000 that you've accumulated on credit cards or whether that's 50000 or 100000 in student debt. You need to deal with that debt because that's the one thing that's holding you down from building wealth. Mm. And building wealth is the thing that will allow you to be generous in the future yep. and to ultimately leave a legacy and take care of generations, which we'll get to mm. on another day. And then when I use the term deal with debt intentionally, because I, I also mean that in terms of people who don't have it, Don't get it. Don't accumulate it. Mm. And let's shelve the idea of a mortgage payment for the time being, but let's talk about things like car payments, Mm -hmm. buying a brand new car, because what you see a lot of times is people get out of college and they have their first paycheck, consistent paycheck for the first time in their entire lives. They go, oh, wow, I've got $2,000 coming in, you know, at the end of every month. And after I pay my rent or my mortgage, I still have eight or $900. And so they go and take on a $300 a month car payment. And what they're doing is holding back their future of being yep. able to begin to to save for retirement, to save for that rainy day, to save for yep. what you had mentioned, you know, your three-month, six-month emergency fund. There's a syndrome with uh, 20s and 30s right now. And the syndrome is, I want my mom and dad's standard of living now. Mm-hmm. And uh, not realizing that it took them 20 or 30 years to get to that place of living wisely, saving growing in their skills, et cetera. I think for most young people to realize you arriving does not equal a new car. In fact, a a new car, if I see you pull up in a new car and you're like 22 years old, what it tells me is you're likely not very wise because you have now uh, have a four to five, six year car payment of a couple hundred dollars a month when um, honestly you don't need that. And Mm -hmm. your identity is not in your car. 
Right. It is not. Now you need reliable and all that other stuff. But, but I find most people like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. They think they have a little bit of extra money, but they're not quantifying that cost mm-hmm. over the long haul. Nor are they realizing that just by buying a new car, the moment it came off the lot, you've lost 15% of the value right off the top. Like that's not a wise investment, you know? So, and I say all that is I don't get super judgy, um, but I also do make observations. Mm -hmm. I'm not dumb. I do understand when you're 21 years old working at Starbucks, buying a new car is a commitment (laughs) that's going to suck. You drive for a very long time. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, that car payment is you, you mentioned paying it off in six or seven years. You know, what comes after paying it off in six and seven years, a new car, a new car payment. Yep. And it's probably going to be a more expensive car. It's probably going to be a higher car payment because I'm not going to downgrade my car because that would be lowering my standard of living. And I need to show the world. I'm joking, by the way. that's not biblical. But you <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned also that wanting the parent standard of living, and, and that's kind of where I was going next, mm-hmm. is there's a temptation with this generation particularly, because I think it's gotten worse with each progressive generation. There's the temptation that, oh, I have friends that are buying their first house and they're yep. you know 24 years old. Well, then we need to be buying a house right now. And so they prioritize buying a house at the expense of everything else. And on top of that, because of their income, if you don't work with the right mortgage banker mm-hmm. or mortgage company, they're going to let you qualify for what you could technically qualify for, but they're not going to tell you that this is probably isn't a wise decision to yep. go with this. Because they want your money. Right. Because they want they want that full that full loan amount. So what happens is they people start buying houses that they can't yet afford or more house than they can afford yep. because their friends have houses. And I deserve it. And I need to keep up with them. They're not saying that. But that is a drive that is more powerful than I think most people understand. Absolutely. Especially if like my friends are making more money and I'm feeling consistently guilty or that I'm letting my family or my spouse down or whatever. It's it's all a lie. God mm-hmm. gives to every person what he wants to give them. And we are responsible to living within our means because my identity is not in how much money God gives me or the standard of living he permits me. My, my identity is in Jesus period. Mm -hmm. And I steward whatever resources he gives me. That's it, man. Like when you miss that, you start to put crap on credit cards, you start to accumulate Mm -hmm. debt and you're comparing yourself and you're not living wisely. And it's really hamstringing you from being generous later because Mm -hmm. now you're just stuck for years and years and years and years with dumb debt. It's almost as if you knew my story because 10 years ago, I bought a house in Phoenix during the boom Mm. and- (sighs) I lost the house a year and a half later, got foreclosed on, and that was a ended up being a debt spiral of over $30,000 mm. that took me five years of paying it off very yeah. hard and a lot of discipline to pay it off and get back out of debt. Wow. All because I made a very poor financial decision because everybody was buying investment properties yep. at the same time and I wanted in on it and I wanted to make my quick money. Well, I didn't. I, I gained a quick amount of debt. Mm. You know, we uh, first house, uh, we bought it. It was a good decision. I don't regret buying it. What I do regret is not selling it sooner. So yeah. in 2007, we were like, ah, we should probably, it's time to sell. Ah, let's just wait one more year. Yeah. And uh, in that year, um, our house, we ended up losing $45,000 from what we initially bought it for. But if we had sold it a year earlier, we would have made $30,000. Yep. And uh, that's how much the housing market tanked. And it took us six years to um, pay off the loss mm-hmm. and get in a place where we could have a down payment for anything. And that's where, you know, sometimes life just happens. Sometimes we just 
we're greedy, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but at the end of the day, we are responsible to be really good stewards right now with what God has given us. It's hard because money is one of those things where you can't control what life throws at you. Sometimes you have sickness and an illness. Sometimes your job uh, throws you for a loop. 99% though of the debt people take on the dumb debt, Mm -hmm. it's unnecessary. Absolutely. And I think that part of, part of the debt equation with this is really when you get down to it, it's a heart issue because most people don't have an issue with debt because they don't have enough income. Mm. They have an issue with debt because they are trying to live at a higher standard of living than their income allows for. I've heard some people say that credit card debt is rebellion against God and his allotted standard of living that he's given you. One of the best pieces of advice my mom gave me growing up is do not go into debt, do not go into debt. And she meant credit card debt. She Mm -hmm. meant dumb debt. Right. Don't take out, don't take somebody else's money, pay exorbitant interest rates to achieve a standard of living that God has not yet permitted you to have. That being said, we need to end this podcast. And I want to just say, thanks, man, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. I think those three things, if I'm a young couple, get a budget, build an emergency fund, and deal with debt. I mean, you summed it up. And if a couple can do that, they're going to be in good shape. And a lot of couples need to go talk to a mentor, somebody godly, smarter than them, wiser than them, and uh, get some help. I know that Thrivent would love to help any couple. And so uh, if you're listening to this, you can uh, email us and uh, go to our Facebook page, uh, Village Church Q&A Podcast, Village Church in Bartlett. Contact us. We'd love to help you get connected with Thrivent and make awesome financial decisions so you can be super duper generous. Amen, Dave Swanson. Amen. Thanks for having me. Join us tomorrow for what will no doubt be an emotional doozy. Here's the question. Should a candidate's moral character weigh into my vote? We will see you tomorrow and welcome Tim back into the studio.